Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Elevate Podcast. This is a podcast for student athletes and those who coach them. Whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, I've got another amazing guest for you this episode. She is the owner and lead mental training and peak performance specialist of Capex Consulting. She's also worked with student athletes at Miami University and the University of Tennessee. She also has assisted the Pittsburgh Steelers with their draft analysis of potential picks, spent many years with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and is now currently the Director of Player and Team Development for the NHL's New Jersey Devils. She has spent a good amount of time with Lord Stanley's Cup. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Amy Kimball. How are you today? I'm having a great day so far. Thanks. Excellent. Excellent. Excited to have you on the podcast today. First off, what led you into the field of mental training and peak performance? I was pretty fortunate. I figured out early on what I wanted to do. I knew, I think it was my junior year in high school. I was, um, I did three sports in high school. I played basketball, soccer, and softball. And at the time I was taking a psychology class and I just thought everything about the mind was fascinating. And I happened to read an article written by a sports psychologist and it was the first time I knew that was a thing. And I told my parents, Hey, this sounds cool. They bought me a book on sports psychology. And I said, that's what I want to do. What was the book? Oh, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it was written. The guy's name was Steven Ungerleader. Okay. Right. I don't remember what it's called, but I yeah. remember the last name. Right. The, the, that's like the cover always isn't important. It's the content that got you going. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit about your role with the New Jersey Devils as well. So I have a fancy title. I'm the director of player and team development, um, mostly because they couldn't figure out what to call me since I did a little bit of everything. Um, and my main responsibility is to work with the teams as well as the players on mental training. So our minor league team is in Binghamton, New York, and then our big teams in New Jersey. So I work with both of them and both at an individual and team level. I'm also there to help out the coaches. I help plan their team building excursions. And then I also assist with the draft and with player development. So basically anything that influences the culture of the team or how the team interacts. And then a a big part of that responsibility is helping our young guys transition into being professional athletes. Sure. Sure. I know you mentioned the draft there. Um, There's an article I read. They described you as a prosecutor (laughs) in the way that you uh, interview some of the draft candidates. One why is this such an important phase when you talk about building team and team chemistry and team culture? And two, what are some of the questions you ask? Yeah, so I'm not really a prosecutor. I'm not trying to <laughs> put them away or anything, but right. I am, you know, I'm trying to find the truth about who they are as a person. And yeah. a lot of times for most of the players that we interview, we also do a personality profile. So we give them that ahead of time. And then if there's any red flags or things that stand out positively, a lot of the questions are geared towards getting at those areas. In a typical year, we only have about 
20 minutes to interview these players. This year was a little bit different since it was all virtual. We could talk to them a lot longer. So our structure was different. Um, but yeah, so we try to use the questions to really understand who this player is as a person and really get to understand their background a little bit, what's important to them, and then how they view competition and their resilience. So a lot of the questions are really looking at things in terms of competitiveness, okay. their ability to manage stress, if they're a team player, that kind of thing. Awesome. You're also the founder of Capex Consulting and you have a team of amazing people there. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your business and what you and your team all, all do there. Yeah, so I have a great group of people. Some of them have been with me since I started it. And um, everybody does a little bit of everything. So some have side jobs or they're professors as well. Um, and then I have one full-time person. But basically what we do is we work with individuals as well as teams. And it's not always athletes. So we'll get different performers. I've had lawyers, members of the symphony. So really runs the gamut. And we work on mental toughness. So we really look at peak performance and the way we like to approach it is from a more positive mindset. So where do you, when you're performing your best, what's going on with you? And how do we get you to recreate that? And if there's times where your mind is holding you back, trying to teach them some tools to really get themselves out of that mindset and into the mindset that we want. I always say, I'm not a very good business person because I don't want them to keep coming back. I want to give them the skills that they can do it on their own. Exactly. I love that. Um, there's a lot of listeners on, on this podcast, student athletes, coaches. What are maybe one or two of those useful tools that you kind of mentioned there that maybe when they're, they're not feeling so great or they're not feeling their athletic best or prowess that day, what are one or two tools that student athletes can kind of tap into to get them maybe feeling and back on the right track when it comes to performance? Uh, I'm a big proponent of getting things out of your head. So I always tell when I'm working with athletes at any level, just keep a notebook with you. Or even if it's in your phone, but I prefer, prefer that they write it down and just write down all the things that are in your head. So if it's a lot of negative thoughts, writing those things down and playing devil's advocate of if it's worries that you have, well, why are you worried about this? What are the odds it's actually going to come true? Because typically when you get it out of your head and write it down, it's the same things repeated over and over. And once you have that list, you can cross out things that you don't control because you can't do anything about it anyway, or things that are unlikely to happen. And then with that list that's, that you wrote down, maybe there's one or two things that are legitimate stressors. So sure. really making a plan for how you're going to deal with that stress. And with student athletes, a lot of times it's multitasking and meeting all the demands that are asked of them. So really just writing it down, getting it out of their head, or if they have someone that they can talk to, that's a, a big thing as well. No doubt. I love the, uh, the journaling tip. I think it's a, uh, when we can get it on paper, we don't have to use the emotional filter. We can tap into yeah. a little bit more of the logic part of, is this real? Um, yeah. Just like you said, also, there might be someone, yeah, there are some that like are real. I like to tell, oh, I'm talking over you. I'm sorry. No, Go you're ahead. good. Good. Go on. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I also like to tell athletes that have natural resets throughout the day. So whatever their number is on their jersey, if they're, you know, in a sport that has numbers, or whatever their favorite number is, anytime they see that number, take that many deep breaths. 
because they'll naturally see it on license plates, on the clock. And so when they see that number, just take that many deep breaths because particularly with student athletes, they tend to go to study hall, rush to class, rush to practice, have training of some sort. And so they never really stop to reset. So just if they pick a word, a letter, a number, and they can reset themselves throughout the day, that hurts as well. That helps as well. That is an awesome uh, connection and tip to a Jersey number to the breath work. I love it. Um, Along your journey, uh, you've worked with a lot of great teams, athletes, even talked about some realms outside of sport. Uh, Was there an athlete or coach in your life that helped to kind of elevate you or or whether it was in your career or back when you were an athlete? Was there someone that kind of lifted you up? Well, I've had lots of them. Um, I had my high school softball coach, actually, I hadn't played softball or baseball since t-ball so I was probably six or seven years old and I realized really quickly that my so my freshman year in high school I did track and realized that wasn't my sport um and so I was like okay I'll go try out for softball and the coach gave me that opportunity and gave me that chance and I started out as a courtesy runner so basically anytime our pitcher batted I'd go in for her when she got on base and then after two games, he gave me a chance to actually play first base. And then I, I stuck with it. But he, you know, he had that confidence in me. And it, it was really nice to have someone who had my back. And he pushed us really hard. And but he, he was a, he was a wonderful coach. And so he was somebody that it was nice to to have kind of on my side. Can I pry at that experience a little bit? Sure. Um, one, I think it's it, with student athletes today, especially in the high school, when it comes to multi-sports, there becomes this great fear for the example you shared that I haven't played this specific sport, there probably might not be a place for me. And I had seen this with a a team I was working with last year, a kid, football, hadn't played since middle school, ended up playing both ways for us. (laughs) Like, and I think it's so cool. Can you talk about one, I think the courage it took to go out and do it. And two, compared to your other sports, was there a moment that was just kind of a different, I don't know, had a different appreciation of yourself or proud of yourself for conquering that? Well, yeah. So my, my parents refused to buy me a new mitt or softball shoes unless I actually made the team. Okay. So one thing I, I had to prove them wrong, like there was no way yeah. I wasn't going to make the team. Um, and I do think, you know, I wasn't very good at throwing, which I'm still not. That's why I played first base because you don't have to throw quite as much. Um, but I, I think it's, a lot of it is just knowing I was athletic, knowing I had pretty good hand-eye coordination. I had a lot of friends on the team and I didn't have these like false expectations that I was going to go in and be a starter and, you know, turned out that way. But that wasn't my expectation. I just wanted to be on the team. And I, I find a lot of high school athletes are worried that, want me to go to these practice and then just sit on the bench. That's okay. (laughs) Like it's fun. These are your friends. And that's what high school sport is about. It's learning that you still can contribute to a team in some way without necessarily being on the field all the time. And even when I was on the bench with, if you've ever been to a softball game, you know how loud they are and all the silly cheers they have. So I I led a lot of those. Um, But I do think for athletes now, they take themselves out of it before they need to mm. instead of just going on, going into it and saying, let's see what this experience brings. I'm going to do my best and where that turns out, it turns out. And 
understanding you're going to have a role in one way or another. If you don't make it, go make yourself better. Yeah, I like it. There's always an opportunity to make yourself better. Um, I know along your journey, you uh, worked with uh, a lot of college student athletes as well. Is there something in your time that you observed that was kind of uh, kept coming up that student athletes struggled with in kind of that transition into college athletics? Yeah, I think just a lot of them try to prove themselves. It's interesting because for the most part, they were recruited onto this team. The coaches wanted to bring them in there, but they still feel that need to prove themselves that they're worthy of this in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's hard. And if they're freshmen and they end up starting, then they get nervous about what the older athletes who are juniors and seniors, if they're taking their spot, how that's going to influence their relationship for them. So I think the idea of where they fit in is a really hard part of that transition. I think many of them realize quickly that it's not as easy as it was in high school and that their role isn't going to be the same. But I do think going in for the most part at this stage, they kind of understand, well, as a freshman, I might not get the same playing time as I would if I'm a senior. Sure. But um, I do think there's still that aspect of proving themselves, not just within the team or to their coaches, but also to their hometown. Mm. So if you're from a small hometown, everybody, you feel like everybody's watching your scores. Everybody's watching your stats. They want to know how you did. And that first break when you go home for Thanksgiving, you want to be able to tell them something other than you sat on the bench the whole time. So I think that actually creates a lot of stress from people too. That resonates with my college career. (laughs) Like I feel like sometimes. So um, that's, I'm glad you brought that up that it isn't always just our direct surroundings that are having this, this impact on, on our daily. Um, If you could hop into a time machine and go visit 16 year old self, what's one truth in life that you've learned that you would want to remind yourself? Well, I think my 16-year-old self had it together. I mean, I kind of picked this path, like I said, early on. And I, I think it's, I think I just want to remind myself that this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I like to do. Just keep making those decisions. And sometimes the choices aren't easy, but to keep going down the path that, that you enjoy and have confidence in it, too. No doubt. Um... Last question we always like to ask, never had the same answer. How do you define success? So I actually do this as an activity with teams that I I work with. I have them define success and then I have them define excellence. Mm -hmm. And it's a really hard thing because Mm -hmm. often people see them as the same and, and I don't. I see success as usually a goal of some sort that you're trying to hit. And so for, so for some people that's improving on where they were before, for some people it's, you know, if they're, they have young kids, it's getting their kids into college or into a successful career and out of the house, whatever that is. And so everybody defines success differently, but it's usually some type of goal that you try to hit and you reach it. To me, what's more important is excellence. And that's the habits that lead to success. That's, are you doing your best every day? Are you improving yourself in some way every day? Are you kind of raising the bar and getting out of your comfort zone. Because if you have the right habits and you kind of have excellence every day, that eventually leads to that success. 